We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage to, uh, you know, who's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football stuff because this is a Rotoviz radio podcast, but we also make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And if you've been following along, we've been talking about some future NFL stars that are coming back to college, some NFL pro day stuff, uh, some you know big boards and, and rookie drafts through three rounds and a whole bunch of fun stuff, some mock drafts. But uh, today I'm joined by a very special guest, Matt Hicks uh, at the FFF 
underscore educator on Twitter of the NFL Draft Bible and doing some Debbie and Dynasty stuff for uh, Fan Nation. Uh, I guess the SI now, you know, Sports Illustrated, what they're what they're doing with Debbie and Dynasty content and things like that. But we're going to be diving into some of the risers and fallers in this NFL Pro Day season. You know, I did kind of talk about the metrics that we're going to look for a few weeks ago uh, and what they might mean uh, with uh, Peter Howard. But we actually have some information to talk about now, some, some names to dive into uh, and talk about how that's affecting their real-life NFL draft stock. And so really, just want to cover both sides of the ball even today. I know we normally keep it to just offensive players, but going to even dive into a few de- defensive names too. So if you play in individual defensive player fantasy leagues or you just like talking about players that are going to make it at the next level at all positions, we'll get to some of those names here shortly. But Matt, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love this pod. I love the, all the Rotoviz pods. I was on with uh, Stefan and Matt, I think, last week. So I love it, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on here chopping it up. Yeah, it's, it's always good to talk to you and talk talk some football. I mean, you and I, I mean, we, we nerd out with this stuff when it comes to fantasy football. We, we dive in, and I mentioned just kind of in passing that you do Debbie and Dynasty, and I act like those are normal words that people just throw around all the time, <laughs> but they're not. Like, Debbie, you know, fantasy football, having these players, you know, while they're still in college, you know, three or four years before they're even in the pros, like, that's a weird fantasy format, but it's a lot of fun. And we, we just, we are, you and I are both just neck deep in this stuff. And, you know, Matt and Stefan are too. And I think it's just, it's, it's been cool. We were just talking about that before the show to see that grow. Uh, and I think it's because everyone loves to talk NFL prospects and, and get in on NFL draft coverage and, and get one step ahead of their league mates if they play fantasy football. But it's just fun breaking down, down these players and looking at the, not just like the finished product, but the totality of a player's career. Like what made them who they are and how did they get here? And that's really what, I mean, that that's, that's what the foundation of this show was when I began. Just the journey of a prospect from the recruiting all the way through college, all the way into the NFL, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that entire journey. And so this is my favorite time of year, just talking about these players, uh, looking back at how they got here, uh, and now what what are these final pieces of information going to do to their NFL draft stock. So just kicking it off, first name, just had his pro day today. I think right now he, he sits in the category of the fallers, right? The guys that might see their draft stock take a dip just because of what they looked like at their pro day, which is insane when we're talking about a player in Rondell Moore who just ran a sub 4 3 40-yard dash and leaped through the roof to hit 42.5 at the vertical, even though he was, and here's the kicker, five foot seven uh, as a wide receiver. Uh, so I'm Purdue Boilermaker, love the guy, love what he did from a production standpoint uh, to get here. Uh, even though you know he was injured finishing his career. But to you, Matt, do you think he can still be a super productive slot unicorn monster receiver? Well, I think the key word you said there is unicorn, right? I think <laughs> yeah. for in order for Rondell Moore to hit, we're banking on an outlier. And so for me, you know, there's very few prospects I'll ever, you know, write off. I, I like to think that everybody has a spot in the draft where I'm willing to take them, but I don't know if we're going to see that value slide right to the point where it makes sense. I think from an NFL perspective, uh, day one is off the table. I've kind of had that off the table for a little while now. So, you know, is it going to be day two? Well, I think it's going to be day two. Is it early day two? Are we pushing round three? I think there's a lot of factors involved here. And I mean, just at the end of the day, uh, 
you know, you have to consider what the NFL is willing to to put that risk on. Are you the coach that's willing to, uh, you know, put that level of manufactured production that you're probably going to have to put in to get the most out of him? I think he's a, a really special player, but does he fit what the NFL uh, is looking for? Uh, yes, on probably five or six team boards, and they'll be fantastic with him. Uh, but if he goes to one of these other teams – we could see his talents wasted. So it, it's a yeah. real waiting game for me. Yeah. And that's such a bummer because we, we I mean, he, his ceiling could be so high if, if it, the right <laughs> team took advantage of his skill set. And Purdue, like with their, their nasty, just terrible quarterback situation, uh, even his route distribution and where he was catching the ball was just not normal. So, you know, even if we want to project that, hey, he's got four three wheels, he could actually be a deep threat. It's hard to look at his college body of work and go, oh, yeah, that's definitely what he did because he didn't necessarily do that in a large sample either. So he's a unicorn in his size and his strength and his speed and his early career breakout, having a 2200 all-purpose season for Purdue, uh, over 30% receiving yard market share as a freshman, you know, checking every analytical box early on. Uh, you know, I, I I thought even leading up to this, okay, just looking at him standing next to just normal humans, like he's probably not actually five nine. Like I, I think right, I've, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've probably <laughs> mentioned that on, on a few pods before, but but yeah, it, five seven is really really small. So I understand the apprehension. I'm just still going to be probably not irrational, maybe irrationally, <laughs> a little yeah. higher than consensus still when it comes to Rondale Moore. Because I do think that uh, teams are okay once you get outside that first round taking a little bit of a risk. Even in the earlier parts of the second round, you take you see players, especially even on like the defensive side of the ball, that have huge question marks, whether it's competition level or whether it's size or whether it's uh, peak athleticism. Like th- there are some questionable moves made. Like even... I got to think of like, you know, the, the competition level for a guy like Darius Leonard coming out. Like mm-hmm. it was a really suspect move for the Colts to go, hey, I don't care. That's our guy. We're taking him top 40 overall. Uh, and a lot of people were like, uh, what? And, uh, you know, now he's like a top five or six inside linebacker in the league. And so I think that it, Rondell Moore has that kind of potential given his physical traits, given his analytical profile, given what we know he can do. Uh, but, but yeah, if you put him in any historical bin of wide receivers and said, "Oh yeah, that's super likely to work out," uh, you'd be lying. So it's it, it's it's hard. But I think I, I, I wonder if if thinking about his value too. You know, we're talking about college to Canton. We're talking about Devi. Yeah. I wonder if we're. I wonder if his value is holding a little bit because we're attached to that player, right? That that we've had on our squad for a few years or. We've been in love with Rondell Moore for what three years? That I mean, yeah. he was 18, right? 18 and change when he broke out mm-hmm. uh, as a true freshman. So I feel like we have this strong affinity to him. But to your point, you know, I'm I don't have red flags for him, but you know, you have the yellow flag for me for the height. You have the yellow flag for the injury history, and at some point, you know, where do you draw the line? And yeah. I think it's point of value if you're getting him past the mid-second round of, of you know, Whew. rookie drafts this year, I still that's, think that's value. I still think you know, it's day, gonna... th- day two, uh, you know, yeah. mid-day two of the NFL draft, that's value, you know? So everybody has their point uh, of yep. value and, and worth, so. Yep, I'm thinking he's he's still definitely going to get top. I think he's going to sneak in, into round two still uh, at this point. 
Uh, over under though, like if I just had to, you know, say, hey, pick sixty over under for Rondell Moore. What, what would you say right now? See, I, I was thinking top seventy five still. I would probably put him. I probably put him later than pick 60. And I think part of that is the strength of this wide receiver class. I I think in some other classes, it might be a little bit more tempting to take him early, but I think there's a variety of of day two guys that that teams really like. And so uh, I would probably put him outside top 60 right now. Okay. Well, that's, that's one take. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree because I'm a Purdue homer. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's my podcast no, I'm to, and I'm right. Okay. I'm so just leave me look alone. Here. There's a specific <laughs> pick that I would really love. Let's see. 62 to Green Bay. I would love 62 oh, to Green Bay. So let's would put be, them right there. That's a sweet spot. That's, that's like that would the, be a nice spot for That's him. confusing enough capital wise that people like, they probably don't move them up too high. Uh, that's probably like right at expectations or maybe below uh, for many people. Where they're like, ah, you know, they, they still have Devontae Adams there. Uh, he's not going to be a monster target, you know, target share guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that too. I think that would be a great spot for him uh, to just uh, be an underneath weapon. And uh, especially if the Packers just go back to like their their ways from like three or four years ago, just slant, 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 <laughs> slant, screen, slant. And uh, yeah, that would be awesome. But <laughs> moving on to another wide receiver who, uh, with BMI Twitter, he's he's dropping. Oh and, and I feel like I'm I'm oh going to talk about Devontae Smith like on every other podcast, just because like every other week there's somebody that is ranting about Devontae Smith and him being too skinny or he's not going to succeed for this reason or that reason. But like, what if he's just like really good at football, Matt? Like, what if that's the case? Well, that is the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, here's the thing with Devonta. I feel like I'm the most boring Devonta Smith guy uh, or, you know, because I've had him as my wide receiver for, for a while. I think he's good. There's guys I like more and I certainly like him more than other guys. I haven't moved him from wide receiver four. I just like, I think he's a really good player. And I recognize the fact that he's a buck 70. He was never not going to be a buck 70, right? right like we yeah. knew, we like, don't double count that, right? We knew going into his pro day that he wasn't going to be more than a buck 70. So, yeah. um, but Anything, we've seen, yeah. we've yeah. seen the technical ability. We've seen the hands, we've seen the athleticism, the speed. I mean, there, there's no doubting it. So, um, you know, I still feel very confident for Devonta Smith to be a successful NFL pro wide receiver. What does that translate to to fantasy? That's the question that we're going to have to answer. And a lot of that's going to be landing spot. Is he the X? Is he expected to be the wide receiver on a team? Like, I hope he doesn't go to Detroit. Like I see a lot of mock drafts sending him to, right? But overall, man, he's a really good player. And I think it's okay to be, you know, to like him and not love him. And that's where I'm at with Devonta Smith. Okay, same question with him. What's the uh, like uh, with BMI Twitter? Like, I don't care how many times they they want to complain about the weight. I think the NFL is past that. I think that they are convinced this guy is a difference making asset to to acquire early in the first round. But if I set the over under at pick fifteen, where are you going? Fifteen. Oof. Um, I expect Jamar Chase to come off the board before him. I expect Jalen Waddle to come off the board before him. Uh, and then I think it's probably him next three wide receivers in the first 15 picks. I'm going to go below that um, just because I'm trying to mentally factor in my head teams trading up for those quarterbacks yeah. early and what that could look like. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go below, but you know, he probably doesn't get out out of 20. 
I wouldn't yeah. say that's that's uh, where but, I am. I think he's going somewhere in the teens. Somebody's going to make a move. They might even trade up for him, if, especially if they see that Chase and Waddle are gone. We could see somebody kind of like, oh, crap, I've got to go get my guy uh, and go move up for a guy who, in terms of peak production, is a 99th percentile production profile player. Now, he doesn't have the early breakout age, uh, especially if we use the 30% threshold. But his final season dominator was like forty-seven percent, uh, <laughs> and his you know peak adjusted yards per team pass attempt, again like 99th percentile, just just crazy numbers. So and even the year before, of course, was still the wide receiver one, sharing the load with Jerry Judy, first rounder, Henry Ruggs, first rounder, Jalen Waddle, first rounder this year. So, uh, man, if you're ever gonna make an exception for the teammates around him. Uh, taking some market share away from him, analytically speaking, I think it's going to be with Devontae Smith. Uh, so I think we can beat that into the ground a thousand times. But uh, for me, I think he was like my wide receiver too uh, for a long time. And I'm not sure he's going to ever drop below wide receiver four for me, no matter what happens in this class. So I still think he should not be falling despite him not participating in drills like he shouldn't do. He has nothing left to prove. Anything that he does is probably just going to hurt him at this point. He might be a quote-unquote faller to some, but uh, I will gladly take the discount if people want to look at him being a buck seventy and double count, like you said, and knock him down their board. But moving on to the defensive side of the ball just for a second here, um, there's, there's going to be... Some interesting opportunities to maybe make some smart bets on like, uh, who would be the first uh, defensive act to go off the board this year because I loved Caleb Farley for a long time. I, I think even in the drafts that we did with Matt McCoy uh, last fall, I was saying, man, Caleb Farley is the dude. Like He, he had the best QBR against in all of college football in 2019, uh, and he's going to be the guy. Uh, but then, of course, he had to go and uh, I don't know if he injured something in preparation or what happened in terms of timing. I don't know why he hasn't had this back surgery yet, but he's having a minor back surgery like now. So that's probably going to at least knock him down a little bit uh, down the board. And so Patrick Sertain, uh, the second, actually just had his pro day today with Alabama uh, and he wowed. I mean, he had like a four four six at uh, you know over 200 pounds in shape as as most players do for Alabama at their pro days and you know he, he you know, everybody's ooing and eyeing uh, and it seems to me like Sertain is going to be the obvious corner one in this class is there any chance that's not the case yeah I mean I I like JC Horn as well but I I think that from an NFL perspective it's probably gonna be Patrick Sertain at, at the top of the board it it's it's really disappointing with Caleb Farley I think it's gonna be an interesting case study taking myself out of it a little bit uh, not only do you have the injury, but you also have like this opt out situation. Mm -hmm. And how do those things compound? Like, how far will this guy fall? Does he fall to day two? That would you be know, a, who knows? Whew, that'd be a mistake. Wow. It would be, be a mistake. mistake. But like, we've seen these crazy values, right? We go back and we, and we see these. So like, um, you know, it could be a real steal for some of these teams at the top of day two. If he falls that far, it's just going to be fascinating for me to watch that play out on draft night. But you have to think Sertain's going to be the top guy off the board. And then I would probably peg Horn to be next off the board, but I don't consider myself to be a defensive specialist. Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily say that I'm the expert when it comes to that. But, man, I, I do value the analytics when you dig into pass coverage numbers, and especially like if you split it up into what a player is specifically good at. Uh, like Sertain, like he's not – 
uh, in terms of his coverage numbers, like top five or even top 10 and um, and like any one metric. But what he does is everything well. Like he, he could play in multiple corner positions and honestly be a safety if you wanted to. Like he could just, he could do a whole lot. And that's where uh, he, he's going to be valuable. But like if you want Caleb Farley to be put out on an island and shut down an entire half of the field by himself, he can do that. If you want J.C. Horn to just get on the guys number one and press the heck out of him for an entire game, that's going to be the, the formula. Like So those three guys... I think they bring something unique to their game that makes them worth snagging early. Uh, but one more guy who we'll get to in a bit. Actually, might as well talk about him now since we're talking corners uh, before we lose all of our people that don't care about defensive side of the ball. Um, <laughs> but with like I think Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. I don't know if you've dug into him at all, but in terms of out wide, like on an island type coverage and uh, pass like QBR against like all his advanced metrics. Trey Brown out of Oklahoma, defensive back. He he checks like most every box, like uh, especially at, at outside corner. Like he had over 30 targets last year and allowed barely double digit completions. Like he he had like almost like not not crazy. I'm like single digit quarterback rating against on uh out wide coverage like Caleb Farley did, but he like a lot of QBR of like 20 or something like that. Crazy, crazy. Like, so it was number one in the country uh, in terms of outside corner coverage numbers. And yet he's not being talked about at all uh, in terms of like first round buzz. And so I think he's going to be a mid round steal for, for many, but have you, have you checked him out very much at all? I'm not deep enough on that side of the ball, but those are good numbers, man, Uh, from from the defensive back perspective. And, you know, to your earlier point as well, wrapping in those two thoughts, versatility, man, when it comes to being a defensive back in the NFL, the more you could do, the earlier you're going to go because schemes are just so fluid right now. And, uh, you know, depth is the name of the game. So the more versatile you are, it's going to it's going to sell you well. Yeah, absolutely. Multiplicity. In today's NFL is key. Uh, have there been any on the going back to the offensive side of the ball? We we kick things off with wide receiver, uh, at running back. Have there been some performances thus far that uh, have really disappointed you in terms of uh, what you thought might happen at their pro day? I mean, it, it, it's difficult for me. I try not to over. I try not to over evaluate the pro day too much but like these size these size weigh-ins i think are so so important this year because i think that's what we're really missing out on from the combine and yeah man i i was a big jared patterson fan and originally i saw his numbers come in and i was like the testing numbers don't look bad and then i saw him come in at five six and i was like man that's tough because i i think he's a strong back he's got a good low center of gravity and you know, for me, I still want to think that he can be a productive guy in the NFL, but that's that's small, man. That that's really small to to have a long, you know, a long period of production in the NFL. Yeah, Jared Patterson, of course, the Buffalo running back. Uh, I think a lot of people liked him as like a day three sleep sleeper because you know he had that what the eight was it eight touchdowns or something crazy eight like four hundred yeah, yards. Yeah. <laughs> it was the Kent State game. I was watching that live and I was just like I was rooting for it so hard. Like even even the announcers like they were just like so mad when the t- <laughs> when when the coaches benched Jarrett Patterson like one touchdown away from like like in a few yards away from like all time record just everywhere. Um, and so yeah, I, but man, I, wanna... I was watching his twenty nineteen tape. I loved it. Like yeah, like I was oh, yeah, into it, man. He's 
Yeah. I mean, he's lighting guys up and I know, I know it's the Mac, but still like he wasn't, he wasn't beating guys. Like he was running over linebackers. So he's yeah. strong, but there's limitations to how your body's going to hold up at the next level. Absolutely. So I think there's questions there. And when you mix in the fact that he's not exactly a pass catching back at all, uh, that's not the best combination when you're talking about a five, six group of five conference running back. Uh, I, I know some people like Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas. Uh, after the 2019 season where he put up over a 1,000 yards and had a pretty good yards per touch clip against mainly all SEC uh, production in 2019, uh, and then really disappointed, struggled to stay healthy, was usurped by Traylon Smith for Arkansas this year, and, and really, really just did not look like the same player. I, I had questions about how he was going to look at his pro day, and man, uh, he really disappointed. Like Ran like around a 4-6 in the 40 at 213, so not really good in terms of size, size speed. Then had like a bottom 10 percentile vertical jump, bottom like 0 percentile broad jump, and uh, agility scores, again, bottom 10%. Uh, even when you adjust for size, it's just not great. Uh, so he really needed to do something to prove that he had NFL athleticism, and uh, he's already like a really old prospect too. There's just a whole lot of nope in his profile at this point. Uh, so lots of questions there. Uh, so he's kind of been falling for me. Uh, I, I saw some reaction initially with Ramondre Stevenson just because he ran like a 4.63 and people freak out about 40 times, you know, trying to make him kind of a faller in his stock. But when you when you take into consideration that he's like 230 pounds, again, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma running back, 230-pound guy running 4.63, like that's still a, around a 100 speed score which is you know near the threshold that you want to see so Ramondre Stevenson is, is still a guy I actually like you know he finished strong had over 800 yards from scrimmage in his final season are you, are you high on Stevenson he was somebody that I was pretty low on to start um I, I think he's around my running back 12 right now so I mean I certainly wasn't surprised by the pro day numbers uh but again it's like let's not double count you know what I right. mean like you if you watch Ramondre Stevenson tape, you weren't getting excited for the 40 time. No. Uh, and I don't think there's going to be many points in, in his NFL career where he'll 40 yards at a time. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be a guy that smashes in between the tackles and is kind of used, I think, in a little bit more of a niche role. And hopefully that includes red zone touches, right? That's kind yeah. of where the he has the size. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's what makes him funny. It's not his ability to, <laughs> to to burst through a gap. You know, that's not necessarily what we're looking for or definitely not downfield acceleration. So, you know, it, it's kind of about really taking into context the, the guys themselves and what you expect them to be good at. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, Rakeem Boyd, he put up six on the bench. I'm like, man, like you kind of look strong on tape. So like, you know, you want to look at what you ex- what what you're specifically looking for as strengths, and you're hoping that's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exactly. So, Try not to double know. count. That's the thing. It's like if I already know the guy's fast, and then he runs fast, I shouldn't move him up my board. <laughs> if I already right. know he's right. really strong, or I already know he's really big, it's like, oh my gosh, he's really big. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised <laughs> when exactly what I'm expecting to happen happens. Uh, and so that's not really what. I'm trying to get at tonight either. It's just like I was surprised going back to the wide receiver well for a sec. Isaiah McCoy, uh, another small school wide receiver out of Kent State, uh, (laughs) the team that uh, Jarrett Patterson put like 400 yards on. Uh, Isaiah (laughs) McCoy, yeah, Isaiah McCoy, he was, I mean, like pretty much a deep threat 
uh, for Kent State and, uh, you know, their their weird scheme that, you know, loves to utilize a ton of play action, a lot of runs, and uh, Dustin Crumb's pretty good. Uh, I, I thought he was much faster than a four five eight in the 40. Like, I wanted to see, you know, he, he is a group of five guy, so maybe he didn't have, you know, that perfect pedigree and athleticism, but I wanted to see something out of a guy that um, looked like a deep threat in college. So maybe it was more technique and maybe just setting people up and stacking uh, in lower level competition that allowed him to get open. But his adjusted uh, profile in terms of like breaking out and the year by year that that he did it, uh, his progression to his production profile was really solid. And his overall adjusted production index, which is a a fun metric I put together for Rotoviz, is like 88th percentile. Uh, minimum threshold of a of a hit is typically 60th percentile in terms of even projecting capital. Uh, it, it's a pretty safe range that he's in, but uh, didn't do himself any favors at his pro day. Uh, are, do you have thoughts on Isaiah McCoy? Yeah, I think he's interesting. I, for me, he swallowed up a little bit in some of these other guys that are going to go in that same range as him. Like there's uh, a wide range of um, good wide receivers that'll go on day three. So he doesn't stick out at the top of that group. But when you're thinking about, you know, a Kent State wide receiver, he's not training in the same way that I think a no. lot of these guys have access to this elite level training um, and are going to Exos Pro Days. And you know what I mean? So I, I think a big part of running the 40 is actually the technique that you're trained oh, in how to run. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I try not to knock these group of five guys too, too much. And, and I will rely a little bit more on the play speed that I see with them on tape. So I think there's a place for Isaiah McCoy in the NFL, but he is somebody for me who might get pushed to UDFA territory or, you know, preferred UDFA territory just because I think there's going to be, you know, 10 to 12 wide receivers that could realistically go just day three. Um, it's such a deep class. I mean, you're looking at guys like Amari Rogers could fall to day three, and I think he's super talented. So um, it should be a really interesting situation to see play out. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But if you are on McCoy or any of these other wide receivers, don't pivot uh, for me anyways i'm not going to pivot automatically if they do go preferred udfa of course i'm going to be a little bit more nervous but i'm going to track them through the summer and see how they do on, on making that squad yeah absolutely uh, and, th- and that's the kind of depth and breadth that we typically play in i know some of our listeners might not but these are names to keep in mind uh, that you you might get excited about your real nfl team grabbing 
or you might snag in the last round of a rookie draft uh, coming up this summer. But before we talk about some of the rising names, not just all the guys that are kind of falling down our boards, uh, just a word from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. And we're back. So we've talked about some of the guys that were falling down the boards that disappointed, whether it be their size or their weight or their 40 time or whatever else that you know, might not have exactly met uh, the expectations we had for them at their pro days. And uh, that might have an effect on their draft capital in a negative way. Maybe it's health issues. Talked about some of those guys. I want to talk about some positive things. <laughs> Let's get to some names that have been rising uh, that we're excited about drafting no matter what. Although I still am a Rondell Moore fanboy, no matter what, even if he was four foot eight. Uh, but <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida. God's gift to the tight end position slash wide receiver position slash any position because he's the best football player ever, according to everyone. Kyle Pitts, what are your thoughts on him running a 4-4-6-40? Checks out, man. It's a good wide receiver 40 time, right? So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think you could tell, right? Like, he, he's a fast guy. We knew that. He's athletic. So I expected him to go to his pro day and, and test really well. And I think this is seriously a guy – um, and I'm not saying it's the majority of team boards, but I, I really think he's a wide receiver, probably on four or five NFL boards right now. Chances are he's going to get drafted to be a tight end in the NFL and things will kind of play out like normal and, and you know, there won't be chaos. But it, like part of me would love just to see the chaos, uh, the fantasy football reactions. <laughs> if he goes as a wide receiver, he gets his name called on draft night. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I think there were some of us last year that even joked about Chase Claypool just being a tight end. And then, you know, of course, he stayed as a wide receiver. But I, I do really think Claypool could have killed it in either way. And like, however he was deployed, he would have found success. Uh, that's how kind of how I feel about Kyle Pitts, except I'm way more confident in it than I am <laughs> uh, with Chase Claypool doing, you know, basically taking till his final season to do much of anything uh, more impressive than one of his other teammates. Uh, but Kyle Pitts, man, I mean, he had just about the makings of a breakout a year before and was his tapes just as impressive. Uh, so he was as fast as rangy as ridiculous at contested catches. He just had more volume because Florida finally decided to kind of change uh, how they run things. Mullen uh, normally goes, he, he normally doesn't like the statue quarterbacks, but he went with Trask and leaned further into Trask's uh, downfield passing ability and just said, Hey, uh, we got Kyle Pitts. So throw it to that guy. And uh, the you know that guy over there in the corner who's doing backflips in in the middle of his routes for some reason, give him the ball too, uh, Kadarius Tony. 
and you know he, they just distributed the ball and, and Kyle Pitts was the wide receiver one really he was playing X wide receiver he was playing slot oh, wide yeah. receiver he was playing in line tight end and he can block better than I think a lot of people give him credit for so I don't care necessarily that he ran a four four six forty. I just I already knew that he was like around a four five probably. He wasn't gonna be a four three or four four guy like uh, Calvin Johnson or even <laughs> Chase Claypool from a, a year ago. But I think he is way up at the top of everyone's board. I mean, there you're already seeing the people gush about him being like the first or second best player on uh, period in this draft, and I, I think that that's the kind of player. He is. I still like the other two tight ends. I still like Pat Firemuth. I still like Brevin Jordan. Uh, but entering this this past season, there was a tier of three tight ends. And now there is basically Kyle Pitts on the moon by himself. Uh, and there's no one else. Uh, so it's nice to see the confirmation. Didn't move him up my board at all. I still wouldn't take him in the first half of the first round in just about any format for fantasy football. Uh, where are you with that? Like, where would you take him for fantasy football purposes, for dynasty draft purposes in both, I guess, super flex or two QB and one quarterback drafts? Yeah. So in super flex leagues, he's currently 11 right now on my board. So back half of the first round, I think is where I feel very comfortable with him. Obviously, if there's a tight end premium and he ends up being labeled as a tight end, that's a big perk. Maybe you could start considering him in that 105, 106 range. In a yeah. one quarterback league, you know, adjusting my board a little bit, we'd probably move him up about three slots, which would move him up to like 108 in a one quarterback. Wow. Yeah. That, that's around, that's about the same spot I think I am at this point. I, I can't put him up in the top half just because I, I'm way too high on the, the three running backs in this class that uh, I believe can be difference makers and a handful of wide receivers that I believe can be difference makers. Uh, it, it's really tough uh, if he does stay a tight end. I, you know, if a team is just like, hey, he's a wide receiver <laughs> and and uh, we're going to use him wherever the heck we want to, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it, it would really mess with his uh, positional like designation on all the websites where we play. Uh, it will be <laughs> interesting to see if, if he gets – any multiplicity there because that might change my answer too. like if it's like hey you can start him at tight end or wide receiver like that would be that would be interesting if, if a team actually finally went with it and just said hey we're gonna just say what you know either or uh that would be kind of a game changer i think for for kyle pitts but yeah uh, if you look at if you look at it like uh you know we were really excited about tj hawkinson and noah fan and i think that that kyle pitts is obviously more athletic than those two guys but those two guys both went what top 19 where did fan go like 18 19 something like that they were and and hawk was a top 10 pick but it's still taking us both were it was crazy it was like way up there. yeah it's gonna it's gonna take us like three years to get fantasy football production out of them so i think you're really I, i think you have to be willing to wait at least a year for any tight end to translate, no matter whether they're really a tight end or whether they're, you know, kind of this hybrid mold, you're still going to have a waiting period. It's a tough position. I don't think people understand, like, especially when, because you have to be able to block like you're a fullback, but also like you're an offensive tackle in pass and run block situations. And also you have to play slot wide receiver. And also you have to play X wide receiver. And that's like uh, in the modern usage of NFL tight ends, it's, you have to know every single position except for offensive guard and center <laughs> right, <laughs> essentially right. to play that position. So it, it is a bizarre learning curve uh, that I don't think people really appreciate. And even in 
most leagues, it's just the trade value for fantasy football for tight ends is just not there unless you actually do become like the next Travis Kelsey. But anyway, moving on to yeah, another we have three good tight ends. We want to get rid of one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But moving on to uh, another running back, though, back to that well, because Kenneth Gainwell, I think I, I may have even I don't know if we exchanged pleasantries at all about Kenneth Gainwell and his pro day. But, uh, you know, he checked in at 201 pounds last week. Uh, I think a lot of people had questions on his size. You know, Memphis might have listed him around 190 or so, but that was really friendly. Like, he was not that. And so he used this time off, uh, the year off, and he missed the year for sad, sad family personal reasons. Um, but to run a 4-4-2, to, put, to drop 21 reps on the bench, and to break 201 pounds, and to have put a 2,000 yards from scrimmage season on your resume uh, like he did. Man, it's like, what? what is not to like with Kenny Gainwell for you? So with Kenny Gainwell, I think, you know, this is a great example of when players opted out of the season. And they all have their own reasons, right? And and that's totally fine. I don't, and anyone who opted out, that's your choice. You know, you got to do what's best for you. But you could tell that he spent the year training for this right because he knew that this this was his opportunity to make up for not putting that extra tape out and he did he came in at, at the weight we wanted to see i mean 21 reps on the bench we just talked about rakeem boyd who's supposed to be this power guy put up yeah. six reps on the bench yeah and kenny gainwell who has is really i mean his playing weight's going to be a buck 90 right like he's going to drop from this he's going to play in the nfl in the in the probably low to mid one nineties, but he's still strong. And that's not what he's known for, right? He's known for being athletic, quick, a four, four, two. Um, so for me, I mean, Gainwell was my five. He's going to hold at my five. He will probably move to my four because I'm keeping somebody <laughs> in my running back ranks that I love, but is probably going to, I already know his draft capital is not going to be able to hold. Um, but I love him as a player. So I think Gainwell is probably realistically going to end up as my four which I think is probably the best case scenario for him once he opted out yeah. of this past season, right? And well, once we realized who Javante Williams was and, and he presented himself. So I, I think if you're a Kenny Gainwell truther, you have to be pretty happy with what his value is moving to. Yeah, for me, it just feels like I, he's not going to be a feature. Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like if, if and no, I'm not assuming, preface this by saying I don't, he's not the next Christian McCaffrey. But if you look at McCaffrey and what he did, uh, he was like right at 200 pounds. He ran a 4.48, and he had 10 bench, 10 on the bench press. By the way, bench press has a literally no uh, statistical, uh, statistically sticky or meaningful implications. I'm just comparing the, the like what they did, um, and they did a lot of the same in terms of their pre-draft process and where they weighed in, and so it's a really not going to gain well for his size at this point. Just it, it just seems. A little lazy other than to say he's probably not going to be a 25-touch type guy. But I, I really hope he gets in a, in a situation that allows him to uh, take the ball outside, just get him in space because he can just do amazing things when he finds that crease. So I, I think he is that running back four in a class that's pretty shallow, has a clear top three, and after, after that there's a lot of question marks. But it's wide open, man. After that, after that first uh, tier, whether you consider those first three running backs, one or two tiers, after you get past those first three guys, like take your home run swing, pick, pick yeah. which one you want, because there is that's what you're shooting for. And, and Gainwell is showing that he at least is worth the swing, right? He, he's worth yeah. going for. 
Absolutely. Well, back to the defensive side of the ball real quick here, just because I I was really intrigued by a few of the guys that have been coming out doing crazy stuff. Like for for Pitt, Jalen Twyman putting up like 40-something bench reps, which, by the way, would have been like an NFL record. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, he was just – everyone knew he took the year off for Pitt. Like Pitt had a really good defensive line, really good edge rushers in Rashad Weaver and uh, Patrick Jones uh, the second. Like they were really stacked on their defensive front. Jalen Twyman, obviously one of the opt-out guys, but man, I think that's going to be a big mistake if uh, teams look at him and uh, are not taking him. I remember seeing some draft boards last year, and he was already, you know, projected to be like a first-round pick, second, early second-round pick, but now he's like a mid-round guy, uh, and people just don't understand how strong he is. And so I was really wowed by his strength and his ability to. Uh, he didn't waste time either. He prepared and he was he was ready to go. Putting up forty reps on on, on the bench is just absurd at two hundred twenty five pounds. Are you a fan of any of the Pittsburgh defensive line or edge guys? Yeah, it's such an interesting edge class where I feel like the past couple seasons we've had this this clear group at the top, and and we don't have that this year. So, but what we do have is a lot of these guys that I think kind of fall in a very similar vein as yeah. what we're talking about here with Twyman of like athletic kind of freaky upside guys and i think that's going to lead to some really good value like back end of day one early mm-hmm. day two uh because it's going to take a little bit of risk right and, and and some of these guys are going to miss but i think we're going to end up with some really high upside guys same here um, whether whether it's twyman or you know what i mean like, like there's Barmore, it's, it's like, gonna be fun yeah yeah like Barmore man like he, you know he didn't do much before this past season but that's just kind of how the Alabama defensive line works in many cases unless you're you know like or edge rushers unless you're Will Anderson who's like their, their freshman this year and led the team in sacks and pressures uh led the nation in pressures uh I believe overall uh so just kind of a crazy freaky freshman he's going to be a, he's going to be the first overall pick by the way uh, or maybe second in 2023, but Christian Barmore uh, running like a 4940 at 310 pounds. Uh, the dude, and really just showing some bend. Even I was I was watching some of the pro day, like 310 pound people shouldn't be able to bend and, mo- and move like Christian Barmore can. Uh, so I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but the guy that came out of nowhere for me, I, I do the top 100 rookie series, and I've been doing that for five years now. Uh, looking at the best top 100 fantasy football uh, guys on both offense and defense, Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech defensive line. And I will forgive you if you haven't dug through his tape because finding Louisiana Tech tape is not an easy feat. But the guy is like 6'3", 200, almost 290 pounds, and ran like a 4'640". He had an, which computes, by the way, to like a, a speed score like that's, you know, top, like it's like first percentile speed score for any position, like 120 plus speed score at 284 pounds running almost a four, six Like he was a 10th faster and not a 10th fast. He was a 100th faster than Ramondre Stevenson who weighs almost <laughs> 60 pounds less than he does. And not to mention that he ran, he had a 38 and a half inch vertical at almost 300 pounds. A broad jump over 10 feet. And then his agility drills. Do you know what the average time for like a three cone for a wide receiver is? It's around seven seconds. It's like maybe 6.97, 6.96 seconds. He, he, in his three cone drill, he put a 6.93 up. 
Like inhumane. Like this guy, it's like wild. he's just breaking the laws of physics at, at this pro day. They're either just making up everything as they go, just scribbling like, yeah, it's 33. I'm just going to round up and say 38. It's like, how in the world is this even physically possible? Had you even like, I, I had heard of, I had heard of the name Milton Williams. I had not watched more than like a game and a half at all on this guy. Like, had you, have you really dug into him at all? I haven't, man. When I watch Louisiana Tech, I just watch like plotter running backs primarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I, and and I, I overrate them like Kenneth Dixon back in the day. But uh, no, it's it's funny. It's it's just there's always that one guy that just goes off like that. I'm I'm underselling it. I promise. Like the the, the feats that he did at his pro day should not be physically possible. And so he's and definitely going to get him drafted, up. man. It's going to get him drafted it's in gonna, a good spot. It's going to get him day two capital. Like I think absolutely. It's just it's insane. So I it's crazy to see. I love to see that. I love to see guys blow up like that. That are G five smaller school guys that. You know, they, maybe they don't have the perfect production profile. Maybe they don't have the perfect story, but they just wow, and somebody takes a risk. And so I hope it really pans out for them. Uh, and down the stretch, let's just go down through like four or five other wide receivers, though. Uh, actually, before we do that, Mac Jones, uh, dude, ran like a sub 4740 at his pro day. And I was like, I thought he was. I thought he was Peyton Manning, you know, <laughs> maybe not that, qu- not, not quite that unathletic, maybe like Eli, you know, but, oh, man. you know, but running a sub four, seven, that, that's going to get somebody's attention. He was already, you know, creeping up into the, the top 10 overall picks conversation, uh, you know, having like a 90th, 95th percentile analytical profile in his peak season here for uh, Alabama putting five, 400 yard passing games on his resume and oh yeah wishing winning the national championship whatever he was gonna be a high draft pick but for you is there any chance for you he creeps into the top four quarterbacks I don't think he he creeps into the top four quarterbacks I think the other ones present so much more upside from an NFL perspective but what I will say is that I think there's a good shot. We see a, a set of trade-ups, right, where we could see the yeah. first four quarterbacks go off the board in the first five picks, first four picks, honestly, because uh, just recent trends in NFL drafts. So what could happen is Mac Jones could end up being a top-10 selection, but the fifth quarterback off the board, if we just keep seeing yeah. these trade-ups and kind of yeah. domino effect, that's going to be the real storyline of the draft. Um you know, and obviously the Jets having a big play in that and Atlanta, if Atlanta moves back and Carolina moving up. So there's so many factors. But, you know, if those first guys come off the board, does Washington get anxious? Do they jump up yeah, to a I'd... top 10 spot? New England, did they get anxious and move up to a top 10 spot? So I think that's the best chance for Mac Jones to be a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, well, obviously, or top 10 overall selection. Obviously, the Washington football team is not going to do that because they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They don't need <laughs> It's, it's my perfect spot for Mac Jones, man. Like, like let him be behind a good offensive line. Let the defense do the work. Does this sound kind of familiar with what's yeah. been going on? Yeah. It's a recipe for success. Yeah. And Ryan Fitzpatrick can again be usurped by a, a young gun and, and then like mid season, go play for his 32nd NFL team. That would be, that'd be a lot of fun. But uh, I'd like to see those two go off in a 40 against each other. I don't know. Fitzmagic might still get him. He might. He, he's got more boogie in his step than I think people give him credit <laughs> for. And his like 500 year old frame and his 500 long, 500 foot long beard. But anyway, moving on to non Ryan Fitzpatrick things. 
uh, <laughs> wide receivers just around the show out here because that's what everyone cares about anyway. Uh, talking about these defenders and Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard. Shut up, Travis. Anyway, uh, so the <laughs> Auburn Pro Day, Anthony Schwartz, uh, you know, he's an Olympic sprinter. Uh, and it's funny, but like his 4.2640, I was like, man, that's, that was bad. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I saw that. I was like, dang, he must've tripped or something. Cause like, that's how fast Anthony Schwartz is. Like, and so I, I don't care. Like I, I'm not going to discount him because he ran a 4.26 instead of a 4.19. <laughs> but, uh, Anthony Schwartz, man, I, he doesn't have a perfect analytical productive profile because, Bo Nix is trash, and uh, Gus Malzahn got fired, and it's because the offense completely wasted an Olympic sprinter and another guy who's got huge hands and a crazy frame in Seth Williams. But was there anything that stood out with with Anthony Schwartz? Like, are you high on him? Do you think he's going to get capital just based off his crazy speed? Yeah, I've kind of been I've kind of been out there for a little while saying that I just thought uh, Anthony Schwartz was always going to get taken before Seth Williams, just cause speed sells in the NFL. We know that that's a fact. Why did Henry Ruggs go above Jerry Judy and CD lamb last year? Right? Like Miko Hardman made it into the second round a couple years back. So uh, I think, I think Schwartz goes day two at this point, late day two, uh, you know, I'm thinking round three. Uh, and then I'm thinking, uh, and I know it, it's, it's a little bit of a controversial statement, but Seth Williams is a day three guy for me, especially in this class. And I think, uh, that's probably going to hold true, you know, probably round four, round five is, is kind of where I see Seth Williams going. So uh, that's kind of how those two track. But yeah, Anthony Schwartz, man, we knew he was fast. Can he run routes? That's kind of what I wasn't sure that he could do from Auburn. Yeah, since 2015, there have been 23 wide receivers to run sub 4 forward 40 yard dash times and 22 of those 23 uh, were drafted, 17 of which were drafted inside the first three rounds. So uh, I think given the SEC pedigree, there's a chance and the Olympic speed that we see Schwartz sneak into uh, day two and Seth Williams barely misses the day two cutoff, but is still uh, the Gabriel Davis of this particular class. I think he could surprise be an early fourth round pick and and be somebody that uh, plays a very specific role for a team and is still pretty productive uh, and, and outperforms some of the guys taken ahead of him in this class. And he did kind of check some boxes at the pro day. He did have a four, four or five 40 yard dash. He had a pretty impressive burst score when you look at his 37 inch vertical, 10 4 broad, not crazy out, out the roof numbers, but above average marks there as well. Uh, so I, I do like Seth Williams, but I think there's a good chance that he or Anthony Schwartz missed the the uh, ever vital day two cutoff, and then just a few, uh, just a couple kind of flyer names here to put in your back pocket. Josh, uh, I always stumble over his name. Uh, Josh, and I've, I've like followed him since high school, and I still can't get it. It says Josh Imaturbebe. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it there. But uh, Illinois wide receiver, six one, two hundred twenty three pounds, four four eight forty. 46 and a half inch vertical jump and an 11 foot two broad jump. By the way, that is a better burst score than DK Metcalf. And it is not close. <laughs> like, like it's that, that guy, even in high school, they measure it differently, right? They, at most of the camps for high school prospects and recruits, they like have these kids jump up lock their knees and they've got like this mark behind them to take pictures of how far they jumped up 
So it's a different measuring method. It's generally inflated just a bit in how they measure, and it's not perfect. But even then, he had an over 46-inch vert, so it was no surprise that uh, he just jumped through the roof uh, in both of his his jumps, and he was very athletic. Um, and Illinois is awful at football collectively, but he was the only thing they had going for them. And he actually has a decent uh, production profile. If you look at his peak season in 2019, where he accounted for essentially like half of the receiving offense that season, not very efficient, but still uh, just a name to keep in mind. He didn't even get a combine invite, which I thought was interesting, which is not a good sign for capital, but I thought it was interesting. Have have you ever watched some of uh, Josh (laughs) Emo? Emeter baby at all? Yeah, so mostly mostly just catching a little bit of live um, action yeah, from him same. and yeah. the no combine invite. That's a little scary. The only saving grace is that the combine invites, I believe, were a little scarcer this year because it was really a medical combine situation. Um, and I think they dropped those numbers down a little bit in terms of volume. But I think we're looking at a preferred UDFA status for him. Uh, but maybe. One of these NFL teams is sold on this athletic upside because you're right. He's never really had the opportunity to succeed. So maybe he slides into round seven, round six, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be awesome for him. I think he's a day three at the earliest, but he's somebody I'm going to probably sneak in and try to add just because of uh, his decent adjusted production metrics. And this season, it was a dumpster fire at the position. They were playing basically a guy who who might as well just be a running back and Isaiah Williams. And so, <laughs> It was kind of a, a gross situation. Miracle that he did anything at all. Uh, but another last last name that uh, we'll probably forget come September, Jay, Jalen Camp, wide receiver of Georgia Tech, a name uh, that a lot of people have not been talking about. Uh, I do the DFS column for Rotoviz for college uh, every single week throughout the year uh, where I throw together a model that looks at uh, basically uh, the top 1,000 players on the main slate every weekend. So I saw Jalen Camp, Jalen Camp's name over and over and over because for some reason they kept putting Georgia Tech on the main slate uh, for college football DFS. But I did not think he was going to be six foot two, 226 pounds and run a 4.43 second 40 and they have a 40 inch vertical jump. Uh, just check, 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 check. Physically, he looks like a monster, almost just as ridiculous as Josh Imablabla that we just talked about from <laughs> Illinois. So Jalen Camp, is that frankly, I mean, have you, have you watched him play at all? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was with the TV schedule this year. I swear I caught like six Georgia Tech games. Dude, <laughs> like I seriously? Like All the they, time. They were playing like a lot of primetime Fridays, I think, or something weird. But the Georgia Tech, they were a fun offense to watch this year. And um, obviously he's not going to be featured. You know, he came in in the triple option era and then they've they've progressed out of that the last couple of years. Yeah. So he's never really probably fit and you know, his production certainly suggests that. But the physicality, I think, is good. The athleticism's there. The speed is there. So he's a fun guy to watch. Again, probably a preferred UDFA. But I think it's important to point out that, you know, a lot of us are playing in 30, 35-man dynasty leagues, taxi squads. Like, keep these guys on your radar. Stash them, especially at the wide receiver position. These guys do come around and be relevant again, especially when they're finally put in a position to succeed in terms of production. So I like Jalen Camp. He's fun. He always popped out um, despite the fact that he wasn't, 
you know, putting up four touchdowns a game or anything like that. You know, he yeah. always popped on it when, when, when watching him live. Absolutely. So, I mean, he, he did. Jeff Sims couldn't place a ball for, for his life. No, he struggled. He was a freshman. So Jalen Camp putting up with two years of option play, one year of a transition from option to normal offense, and then finally a true freshman quarterback. So not exactly a normal or ideal right. situation for a wide receiver. So I think he's actually going to stick on a roster, uh, but just a name to know there. Uh, one more name that we don't, I, I won't even ask you to comment on here unless you really care about Tony Fields. But Tony Fields, the second West Virginia linebacker, is my favorite late round uh, linebacker other than Coin Dang just because of his ridiculously awesome name. But Tony Fields, West Virginia linebacker, tested like a wide receiver at six foot two, or sorry, six foot, 222 pounds, ran a four five as a linebacker. Uh, he, he covers extremely productive, was at Arizona first, finished up at West Virginia. Highly productive, over 100 tackles, even I think in his first season in college, almost 400 tackles in total, I think, in his whole career. Really productive, perfect for the modern NFL. Keep that name in your hat as well. Tony Fields, second. Tony Fields, the second West Virginia linebacker. But that's all the time we have on the show here. Matt, thanks for joining me. Just talking about some NFL guys, both sides of the ball. Uh, some pro day results and what that might mean for capital talking some over over unders and everything anything you want to pitch here before we kind of close things up yeah man i i appreciate you having me on here you know primarily we i feel like communicate via mock drafts because i swear we're yeah. always mock drafting <laughs> yes. together um so it, it's good to get on here and talk to you uh you know it's the busy season man it's the best time of the year uh nfl draft bible um you know we're doing de- Devi and dynasty content that's the around si.com slash nfl slash draft nfl draft bible podcast uh rookie big board podcast and then you know all my dynasty Devi rankings and all that uh kind of good stuff is uh patreon.com slash the ff educator so i i think i covered all my projects here nice well hey Glad to, like you said, just glad to talk in a way that's not just uh, mock drafting, Debbie drafts, and all this other nerdy stuff. Uh, just to of talk which you some... always snipe me. I, I swear you You're always welcome. get my picks. So. You're welcome, man. We actually are <laughs> in a draft good, it's right good now. Good validation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're actually in a draft. I think right next to each other right now as we speak. It's probably one of us is probably on the clock, and we're we're making everybody wait. But anyway, <laughs> since we are, I'll wrap up the show there. But listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, the 37th episode of the College of Canton podcast. This has been a blast just putting this together, having a lot of fun, talking some prospects. This is, like Matt said, just the best time of the year. We'll be talking about some more NFL draft stuff, some more future uh, NFL studs and returning college football football players, as well as some true freshmen uh, entering college here very soon. Uh, I can't believe it's like a month away from the NFL draft, but man, just want to say I look forward to many more episodes of you guys joining me soon on this College to Canton podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.